a nervous airline passenger began pacing up and down the terminal, looking at the bad weather outside the window while his flight was delayed. And during his walk, he saw a machine that sold life insurance. It offered $100,000 in an event of an untimely death aboard his flight. The policy was just $3. So, he looked out the window and saw the threatening clouds, thought of his family at home, and thought it would be silly not to, not to go for the coverage. So he paid the price, and then he went to look for a place to eat, and he found a Chinese. And he had a relaxing meal, until he opened his fortune cookie, which read, Your recent investment will pay big dividends. Are you a worrier? Are you someone who worries about things? <coughs> Some, I guess, would worry more than others. I think all of us probably at some time or another us from certain issues or another will worry. Did you know that the average person worries about 14.31 hours a week? That's 744 hours a year which works out as 1,885 days of worrying in your lifetime, which is about five years. So the average person spends five years of their life worrying. It's a long time. Is it time well spent? Well, of course, if worrying about things ever changed anything, then I guess it would be. But as Winston Churchill once said, when I look back at all my worries... I remember the story of an old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which never happened. But seriously, Jesus says in our passage this evening, can anyone by worrying add a single hour to his life? But somehow all of us can't help ourselves from worrying. It's something that we do. Whether we worry about work, or we're worrying about our family. Maybe people worry about their, their finances or their health. And these are big and important issues in our lives, of course. Maybe we wonder what people will think of us. Will people like all my posts on Facebook? We worry about our family, maybe our young children or our elderly parents. We worry about Relationships, various relationships that we're in, the security of our jobs, our next essay, the grades that we'll get in the exam. Lots of things that, that if went wrong would be big trouble, would cause lots of uncertainty and questions in our lives. So there are things that are concerning to us in life. Well, how is it that we deal with worry? How do you deal with the biting of your fingernails and the pacing up and down the room? Or worse, how do you deal with the, the sleepless nights and the stressful headaches? The world will tell you to exercise, keep yourself busy, maybe practice some mindfulness or some meditation. They'll say talk to a friend, see a counsellor, all which probably are good things and will help, but do they really get down to the root of the reasons that we worry? Let me tell you that worry and anxiety can be very complicated in people's lives. If you're somebody who suffers from 
serious worry or anxiety, experiencing panic attacks or suffering with depression and things like that. It's, there are no easy answers, of course, to those things in people's lives. And God uses medical help and seeing a doctor is wise. But as Christians, we want to, we want to hear what Jesus has to say about these things. We want to look at the Bible and see how does that help us to think about what worrying is, the rights and the wrongs of it, and, and how we can deal with it. Last week we looked at the verses preceding where we've just read tonight, the famous passages about storing our treasures in heaven and not on earth. We thought about the fact that we live in a society that has turned its back on God, a society that lives with it here and now, lives for storing its treasures on earth. We thought about people who live to gain possessions and to, to want comfort and happiness and, and security in the things of this world. And, and we look at a lot of the society around us and we can see people perhaps are living quite well off. So we could ask the question, why do people still worry? Well, of course, Jesus has told us the answer. We, if we store our treasure on earth, it's a place where moths and vermin and thieves come and steal and break. If we store our treasure on earth, then it's where our heart will be. It's where our worship will be, our commitment, our passion, our love, our focus will be upon those things. And, and if those things crumble and fall and let us down, then we're in trouble. Earthly treasure can't stop us getting ill. It can't stop us dying. We learned that if we live our lives to gain wealth, it won't be long before wealth will gain our lives and capture our hearts. And money and possessions in this world is a terrible slave master. It rules us and keeps us. And it makes us worry. It makes us worry, do we have enough? And it makes us worry, what will happen if we lose it? The strong challenge that Jesus has in this passage is that if we worry, it's because we don't trust in him. Let's take a moment, think about the things that, that you worry about. Maybe it's your work family, health, essays. What is it you worry about with those things? And where does your faith in God fit in the area of worry? What is it you worry about and, and how does faith in God fit with those things? And that I pray that this evening as we look at what Jesus has to say that we'll see some truths of what he teaches it will help us perhaps to realign our thinking if we've got things wrong, if we're focusing on the wrong things, if we're looking at things from the wrong perspective, if we are not trusting God in certain ways. And I pray that the Lord will help us, help us to, to change and to look to him and to trust in him. So firstly, Jesus says, don't worry. Let's look down at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Remember Jesus talking to Jewish people on the, on the side of the mountain. This is the Sermon on the Mountain. He's teaching them what it means to be a follower of him. What it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he's been teaching them that his people are people who are generous towards God with their lives. Generally, but specifically last week we thought about our money and possessions. We're generous, wanting to serve him and to serve one another. We've been told that serving God produces light in our lives. and Lives that affect eternity. As we live for him, we, there are results that go on and on forever. So therefore, it's pointing back to to last week, and he's now speaking to those perhaps who are, who are worrying. People who are worrying about food and drink and clothes, I presume. Things which are pretty basic. We all need food and clothes and drink to be able to live, to be able to survive. He doesn't tell them to worry about being robbed on the road. He doesn't say being worrying about your grandchildren or about paying your taxes. He's talking about the basic and essential things of life. Don't worry about your food, your drink and your clothes. I don't know if or how much we in this room worry about those things. I don't know whether recent problems in the economy maybe have caused you to be a bit more concerned about money. Of course, there are people in our society, even around East Oxford, who really struggle with the basic things of life. Some areas of Oxford are about 20% of the most deprived areas in England. 25% of children around here live under poverty, in poverty. When we think about the New Testament Jews, we think about those who are listening to Jesus on the mountainside. They're, they are those who Perhaps we'll worry about these things. Food and drink will be scarce at certain times. Famines and droughts. And so you might excuse them for for worrying. But yet Jesus says here, don't worry about these things. If God, who for the Jew, perhaps they've not rejected him, but maybe they've sidelined him. If God for them, if they're kind of put him aside because they're storing all treasures on earth, they're gathering to keep a hold of things, gold and silver, or they're storing up their food and their clothes. People are doing these things because they have a genuine concern for their survival and for their comfort, perhaps. If they're storing up treasures, they want to be able to have a good life. I wonder if we think about survival and comfort. They seem to be quite big overarching ambitions that we all have in life. What do we most want in life? To live long and to prosper. As Spock from Star Trek said. We surely to have a short life, well that's just a waste. And if this is the only life that we have to live, then we want to make the most of it. We don't want to be disappointed and have less than we really want. We want to be successful in however you define success. And if we take a worldly view like that, then we will worry perhaps more than we should do about the basics of life, the food and clothes. Maybe we worry about the job that we have to get the money to pay for the food and drinks. Maybe maybe we wonder a lot about the what-ifs of life. It's very easy for us to do, isn't it? To imagine the 
hypothetical situations. Things that aren't true, that might not even happen, and yet we play them over in our minds and we think, what would happen if these things were true? Maybe we don't necessarily worry about having clothes, but maybe we worry about what our clothes say about us. What will people think of our clothes? Maybe if we broaden it out from food and clothes, just generally to talk about possessions. Do we worry about our home and our cars, our phones and our gadgets, friendships and relationships, studies, health? We worry about survival and comfort. But Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Does your body mean, your life mean more than just surviving and seeking comforts? More than just the the physical things and the tangible things of life? Life is more than you living for you, Jesus is saying. Of course, surviving and comforts are good things and we need them to be able to live and get by. But as Christians, is life more than just those things? If we're called to be storing treasure in heaven... Well, living in the light of eternity, that's our perspective, things that go on and on, as we saw last week. And so our life is more than just us, it's, it's about other people. It's about God. So life is more than just us. But Jesus also says, in verse 27, that worrying makes no difference. Who, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be great if you could add time to your life? Or even better, if you could stop time. There are plenty of movies which you can do that in, it's good. Life is so crazy and busy and we're frantically going here and there. To be able to stop time would be great. Even just to have time to rest and recover from the business. Sometimes our worrying can be related to the fact that we just don't have time to do anything. But if we ask ourselves, how much time did we gain by worrying? We'd have to say, well, none. But if we said, how much time did we lose by worrying? Then, of course, we'd say all of it. Because there are certain times when we worry, certain periods of our life when we worry. I think for, for, for me and my family... A worry that I can be thinking about lots is what will happen in the future. I'm not going to be assistant pastor here forever. We're going to move on next summer, God willing, and, and so we think about what's going to happen. Where will we go? Will I get a job? What job will I get? What will happen if I don't get a job? Where will we live? Will we find somewhere to live? What will my landlord need to know? When will he need to know our plans? How will the boys cope with the change? How will a cat cope with the change? And we can think about all these things and we can think about the what-ifs and imagine scenarios. And it's, of course it's important for us to think about the future and to think about how these things work out. But what is the worrying doing? Is there something else we should be doing apart from worrying? Because how many of us by worrying have been healed from our illness? 
or protected from danger? How many of us, by worrying, have paid our bills? How many of us, by worrying, have grown any younger or kept the grey hairs away? If worrying doesn't do any good, but yet we have these genuine and serious concerns in our life, what is the solution? And Jesus says, trust God. Trust God to provide. The reason most of us worry is because we think it's all down to us. We think that we are the ones who solve our issues and our problems. We think that it's us, we are the ones who have to provide the food and the drink. Remember the Israelites in the wilderness, and even when they were in the land, God provided for them, but yet they thought to live independent lives. Not trusting in God, but trusting in themselves. Trusting in the nations around them taking their eyes off the one who led them out of Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea and gave them manna every day, who provides water from the rock, who, who was their God. And yet they worried and they were concerned and they preferred the past. They missed, they were blinded to the amazing provision that God gave literally day by day as they opened up the tents. There was manna fresh for the day. But some didn't trust him, and so they, they took... Do you remember they weren't to take manna for the Sabbath? If I remember that correctly. They kept the manna, that's right. And the next day he was all mouldy and gone. And bad. Why? Because they didn't trust God. And Jesus, in our passage here, uses a couple of lovely illustrations. One of a bird and one of a flower. Just two simple pictures. Small, little, tiny, insignificant, almost parts of creation. Yet God teaches them a lesson. That if God can provide for them, He can provide for you. Have a look down, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? don't know if you're a bird watcher. I'm not. But I guess we all know that birds fly around and they hunt for their food and when they find it, they eat it and carry on with their lives. A parent bird will go and get food and take it back to the nest and feed their young ones. But they don't have a bird-like fridge or a cupboard where they store up the seed for the next day. They live day by day and tomorrow they'll go out and they'll find more food. The farmer might not be so happy with them stealing his seed which he has sown but the bird, they don't have any worries. They simply live day by day. And if Jesus says that if the birds live like that well, your Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father feeds them, how much more us who are valuable to him. Of course you might get some people, some scientific naturalists or evolutionists who will say that we're not more important than the birds. We're all part of the same thing. Or maybe we're higher up on the food chain. But in God's eyes we are all together more 
precious to him than the birds. We as humans are made in God's image. We're known by him and loved by him. We're the ones who can have a relationship with him. And as Christians, as those who trusted in him, God loves us and wants to provide for us. If you will feed them, how much more will he feed us? Then he says, look at the flowers, verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. The flowers, probably wild flowers growing in the field, they just grow. They just appear. Of course, they'll be small and they'll change over time from a a seed to a a bird and then the head will come out and then it will open up and you'll see the petals and it will be beautiful. Insects and bees will come and feed on the pollen and and it will be a wonderful sight for us to enjoy as we walk through nature. But the flower didn't have to labour, it didn't have to plant itself and toil and work. It didn't have to spin and make a, make a jumper out of cotton for itself. No, God provides. Jesus says, think about Solomon. man dressed in splendor. A man who was rich. A man who was king at the height of Israel's history. Who lived in luxury with gold and precious jewels. And probably wore great fine clothing. And Jesus says, not even he is as beautiful as the wildflowers. And yet Jesus says, these flowers are here just for a moment. The flower comes up, looks beautiful, but then the next minute it's, it's nothing. It dies, it shrivels up, and all it's good for is a compost heap, for the fire. Jesus says, how much more will your Heavenly Father clothe you? God has created and set up and upholds creation in such a way that he's made it possible that birds can do what they do. He makes the rain shine. The rain shine? The rain fall and the sun to shine. He gives birds the ability to fly if they can find their food. And he helps the grower, the flower, (laughs) and people to speak English. He helps the flowers to understand photosynthesis so it it can grow. Birds still have to work, they still have to find their food. So, but God is the one who provides. He's the one who's in control. He's the one who has the power. He's the one who knows and cares and sees things. And, and if God does that for his world, won't he do that for his own children? I was reading just yesterday or the day before, a little poem, it's quite fitting for tonight it's called Why Worry this is for children bear with me so worry, child's definition worry is thinking how we know better than God we know, how, we know better than God does how things should go Jesus said, God doesn't want his children to worry 
Then he told us to watch the little birds and let them be our teacher. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and hurry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. That's quite a challenge. Are we like those who worry and fret? And Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. Is it sometimes we worry because we doubt God? We doubt that he has the power, the control to sort things out. We doubt that he really loves us and cares for us, that he will provide. But yet we are his children in the Lord Jesus. And as we've seen over the last month or so, that he is our Heavenly Father, one who loves to give good gifts to his children. But you might think, Surely there are some good and genuine and legitimate reasons to worry, but to worry why God isn't doing something in our world? You may say, Andy, how would you preach this sermon in parts of Africa or in Syria right now? Well, of course, that's a really good question. There are situations in our world that we don't understand. We wonder what is God doing. But maybe even in our own land, maybe even in your own life, difficulties and circumstances that you don't understand, then we say, what God, what are you doing here? Of course, there are no easy answers. But but firstly, I think Jesus wants us to know that we will face trouble in this world. Not worrying about things doesn't mean that life will be easy. Jesus knew what it was like to live on this world what it was like to live in a fallen society, to see the hurts and the burdens of people's life. Things that happen in life because of our own sin, but of course from the sin of others that affects us. And Jesus says in verse 34, each day has enough trouble of its own. Life is tough. Every day we face difficult circumstances. But the question is, how do we respond to those circumstances? Will we worry and fret and be anxious and try and solve the problem on our own? Or will we do what Jesus says and have faith and trust? Not blindly, of course, but trusting in the one who provides. Secondly, we have trouble in our world largely due to the sinfulness of people. People don't have a lot just because we are greedy and selfish. There is enough food. There are enough clothes to feed and to give to everybody. The problem is the corruption of our hearts individually, but of course of nations and of leaders who don't let aid get through, or us who just keep our money to ourselves. It's so sad that the love of money, as we think about in Matthew, that serving ourselves, storing treasure on earth, all that we have, we fear losing, and so therefore, so much of the world just doesn't have. There'll be trouble. Secondly, don't blame God. Often it's our own fault. But thirdly, 
Pathetic, there's more to life than food and clothing. Your life is worth more than just those things. If somebody gets food and clothing, that's a good thing. They will live an extra day. Praise God. But if they die on that extra day, what good was the food and the drink? If they die without knowing their Heavenly Father. Life is more than food and drink because food and drink will come to an end. But our lives go on forever. Hundreds and thousands of people will lack things and will die without. Death is tragic and it's a horrible thing. But if we die without the Lord Jesus, that's even worse. For those who die with the Lord Jesus, their life is not over. The most important thing in this world is, is not food and drink, but it is knowing the Lord Jesus. And we hear good news often of people who live in the hardest circumstances, in the terrible places of our, of our world, who don't have food, who lack things, and yet they love Jesus and they trust in him, and so their life means something completely different. Yes, they're living for survival day by day, but life is more than just survival for them. There's a higher purpose, a higher reason And that is serving God. Who? A God who has provided. Ultimately a God who's provided salvation. That's free. That you don't have to work for and be a certain person for. That you don't have to be qualified for. But you just receive through faith. And so Jesus says, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Now, we've only had time to introduce this verse. This is what we'll think about a lot more next week. And we'll summarise the, the whole chapter. But, but God's kingdom begins with our relationship with Jesus. We enjoy his kingdom through faith in him. But as Christians... For us, life being more than food and drink, it means that we seek the kingdom and we seek righteousness. This is what it means to live an authentic spiritual life. Proclaiming the kingdom. Displaying righteousness in our lives. Come back next week and we'll kind of think more about that. As we finish... I'll ask you a question. How, how does believing that God is in control, how does believing that he is the one who ultimately provides, how does that change how you view your circumstances? How does that change your worrying? Think about the things that you worry about. I mentioned earlier. Your job, your exams, your children. We can trust that God knows about those things. We can trust that he cares. We can be patient, knowing that he's in control, that he will work things out. When we struggle to get by with our income, when we struggle because our job is insecure, maybe we're waiting for an operation or a diagnosis, we can, we can step back and we can look to God. 
And although these things are really important for us in our life, we know that, that actually our life is more than those things. There's a different perspective, there's a bigger picture to view our life from. If all of these things were taken away, you would still have the Lord Jesus. As children of God, we don't need to spend our time and our money and our resources worrying about our needs. We're not to be lazy, of course, but to, to work and to live in our lives. We will face trouble, but we can view it. We can face our difficulties from a different perspective. And we can do it with confidence because we know the one in whom we are putting our trust. That is our Heavenly Father. And if we are to be concerned about anything, then let's be concerned about the Kingdom of God and His righteousness. To be continued. Let's pray. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? So what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Father, help us to believe these words. Help us to trust in you. Help us to see how you have provided and how you do provide. Let us trust you for the circumstances and the situations in our life that concern us and worry us. Lord, help us. Help us to take our eyes off ourselves. Help us to know that, that we can't do this by ourselves. But to look to you, the one who can. Amen.